All right, take your Bibles, open them up to John, the book of John, John chapter 19. John chapter 19. On Memorial Day, we remember uh, those in the armed forces who have given their given their lives uh, for our country and for our freedom, and uh, I certainly appreciate the freedoms that we have here in this country. I certainly appreciate all of it, uh, sacrifices that have been made, and I, I certainly would not uh, want to be accused of taking the freedoms that we have here and now at this point in history for granted. Uh, it is a blessing, uh, the sacrifice that has been made, and it is a blessing, the gift that God has given us, and uh, we, we need to remember that and not forget it and uh, be, be very thankful for it. The Bible says in John 15, verse 13, No greater love hath, uh, no greater love, hath, uh, greater love, excuse me, hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. And so as we remember that, uh, the memorials, the memorials are important, I believe. Um, it helps us appreciate the past, and really remembering the sacrifices of the past will help us to navigate the future. will give us clarity in those things. As Christians, as believers, we have two ordinances that Christ has given us to uh, remember, to keep. Baptism is one of them, and the Lord's Supper is another. The, the Lord's Supper is a memorial. It was set up for God's people to remember the death on the cross, the sacrifice that was made to remember His body being broken and His blood being shed. And so as you have your Bibles opened up to John chapter 19, and begin read just one verse here with me, verse 30. The Bible says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, It is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. We see here uh, the death of Jesus Christ, uh, the accounts given in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for sin on the cross. And I'd have to say, that if I had one message that I had to preach, it would be the cross of Jesus Christ. If I was to meet with a group of individuals and I knew that I was only going to be able to speak one time, preach one time, maybe in a foreign land, I would say that the message that I would most likely preach would be Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the cross of Christ. This message, and the reason why it's so important, is this message, the message of the cross of Christ, and the work that was done on Calvary when He said, it is finished, affects every person in the world. Every person. It relates to all of us. Not every message maybe you can relate to, but the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified is a message for every person. It doesn't matter whether rich or poor, doesn't matter whether young 
or old, doesn't matter what country, United States, the United Kingdom, the United Arab Emirates, it doesn't matter where a person is at in the world, the cross of Jesus Christ stands as a memorial, it stands as our freedom that was paid for, for our sins to be forgiven, and for our way to God through Jesus Christ and through the cross, if accepted. The cross of Jesus Christ for believers, for Christians as we meet together. I know this one thing to be true, that if you're saved here this morning, if you're born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the circumstances around your coming to Christ, uh, for each person even in this small group, would be very different. The place, the how, the where, the with who, all those things are very different. But the cross of Jesus Christ, we all had to come through that. We all had to trust and accept Jesus Christ's payment for our sin. And therefore, we all have that as Christians in common, that it was the cross of Jesus Christ that paid our sin debt, that made it possible for us to be saved. As we remember that, what a memorial. He said there on the cross... He said, it is finished. And what did he mean by it is finished? Well, we could spend a lot of time talking about what was finished there on the cross, but one of the things that is so important to us that was finished is the sin debt. The sin debt was paid. God required a sacrifice for sin because He's just and He's holy and sin is against God. Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross, when He gave His life as a sacrifice, He said, it is finished. Now, there's a way for God to be appeased and our sin to be paid for righteously and justly. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, and having made peace. You ever heard someone say, they made peace with God. Salvation is making peace with God. He says, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. We've been reconciled. There's been a reconciliation that happened because of the blood that was shed at Calvary. Uh, he said, by Him I say, whether they things in earth or things in heaven. Now when we talk about the cross of Jesus Christ and we talk about Calvary, it's not just that Jesus Christ died. It's not just that He died. Um, some would think maybe He died as a martyr, but it was more than that. Jesus Christ died for our sins. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 3, He said, For I delivered unto you first of all, Paul said to the church at Corinth, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. When we think of the cross, you say, boy, it's kind of a cruel thing to look at. It's kind of a harsh thing to talk about blood and the payment that was made for sin. But we remember, when we remember the cross, we remember the the seriousness of sin. When we think of the cruelty of the cross, I mean, this was a cruel thing. We read the stories through the Gospels of how Jesus Christ, how He was beaten. 
how they took the, the, the cat of nine tails, the whip there, and they scourged him, the Bible says, till his back was as a plowed field where his bones stared at us. And you think of the cruelty of the cross. You think of his crown of thorns that were put on his head, and you think of the nails that were driven into his hands. You know, you may sit here this morning and say, I, I don't want to think of that. That's cruel. That's harsh. But when we think of it and we remember it, there is no greater, there's no greater uh, a memorial of the love of God toward us than that He would take the cruelty and the seriousness of sin upon Himself. Why? Because He loved us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When we see the seriousness of sin and we see the cruelty of the cross, we begin to remember that it was Christ that died to take our place. Beginning in Genesis, as you read the Bible throughout the whole Bible, you see that there's been a blood sacrifice needed for sin payment. It was established at the first sin with Adam and Eve when God made coats of skin to cover their nakedness. Blood was shed because of their sin. And throughout the whole Old Testament, there was a whole system set up in the Old Testament where lambs were brought to the priests and to the temple and bullocks and turtle doves and blood was shed on the altar for temporary forgiveness of sin. But Jesus Christ, when He died there on the cross, He paid for the sins of the Old Testament. He paid for the sins of the New Testament. He paid for the sins of the future. And when He said it is finished, it was just as if He said, a paid in full. A payment was made. A payment was made and now it is possible for sins to be completely forgiven. That word justified, just as if I never sinned. The word righteous, God made us righteous. That means being right with God. Why is that even possible? It's because He finished something on the cross. He made the payment for sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 25, whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. He paid for the sins of the past through the forbearance of God. He says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. It's blood sacrifice that's needed for sins to be forgiven, for sins to be paid for. He says this in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He said, how much better of a sacrifice was the eternal Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, than a temporal sacrifice of a lamb or a bullock in the past. The eternal sacrifice that Jesus Christ made was far greater. There would be no better. He says in verse 15, for this cause, because Christ made that payment on the cross, He is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that are under the First Testament, the Old Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. He's saying because of Jesus Christ 
He was the mediator. It was the death of Jesus Christ that brought in the new covenant or the new testament. And his payment there at the beginning of the New Testament paid for the sins of the past and paid for the sins of the future as he looked down through history and saw you and I in need of forgiveness, in need of a sacrifice. No longer now do we have to bring a temporal sacrifice. We bring Jesus Christ as our sacrifice. What a wonderful, when you think about it, what a wonderful memorial that he had finished for us. When he said it is finished, there was a closing that happened at the cross. There was, a, there was something that was accomplished, something that was finished. And what was closed was the Old Testament. We have the Old Testament. We see the laws of Moses and the sacrifice of Moses and the Levitical priesthood that was set up and all the dietary laws and all the different laws that they had. All these sort of things, they were closed. It was closed at Calvary. Jesus Christ, He closed something. It was out with the old and in with the new. He brought about a new testament, a new covenant. Hebrews, again, talks a lot about this. The book of Hebrews, really, if you kind of boil it down, it's written to the nation of Israel in the New Testament, to people that knew the law, that knew the Old Testament, okay? Written to the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. And, and, and it's kind of written with this, uh, with this flavor. Hey, the New Testament is better. The, the new priest, Jesus Christ, is better. The new sacrifice is better. The new te- temple is better. It, it's just better. It, it goes to say, hey, what we have now in the New Testament is far better. It's eternal. It's greater. He says in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator, Jesus Christ, of a what better testament or better covenant which was established upon better promises. Hey, the nation of Israel had a lot of great promises in the Old Testament, but you and I, by receiving Jesus Christ, we have far better promises of eternal life. The eternal promises. There was a closing, but there was an opening. Jesus Christ made an opening. There was an open door. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 10. You're in... John, just turn over to chapter 10. There was an open door now because of Christ. Because of the sacrifice that was made. He says in John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus talking, He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. You know, there, there, there are some that would say that there are many ways to God. But Jesus Christ says, I am the door. That's why I said at the beginning of the message that if we are a child of God, we all came the same way through the cross, through Jesus Christ, the, the sacrifice made on Calvary. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And then Jesus here, before he, he dies on the cross, begins to talk about what I, us, those that would future uh, come to Christ because of his open door. He says in verse 16, 
But other sheep I have which are not of this fold. In other words, there's others that are going to come in that are not of the nation of Israel. He says, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd, Jew and Gentile alike in in Christ, in the church. He says, therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Now this is a pretty wonderful verse here in verse 18. He says, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power, look at this, to take it up again. He says, the commandment, this commandment have I received of my Father. You know, when we think of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, He laid down His life. We're talking about God here. He had all power in heaven and earth. He laid down His life. And not only did He lay down His life, He took it up again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, man, that is, that is a foundational for our, for our belief because He defeated death. He defeated Satan and sin at the, at the resurrection. He said, hey, there's an open door. Listen, when Jesus Christ laid down His life, it was at the exact moment in history. It was the exact time and the exact place, the exact day that He God, Jesus Christ, had a queen. Thousands of years before, they had begun a memorial called the Passover. It was established because while the nation of Israel was in Egypt, there was the death angel that was passing through, and they said, hey, put blood on the doorpost and the lentil, and the death angel will pass by, right? So from that time forward, uh, the nation of Israel would remember that deliverance that God gave them in, 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 in Egypt and they would kill a lamb and their families would get together for a feast and they would put the blood on the doorposts and the lentil. And we see Jesus Christ as He is being sacrificed on the cross for the preparation of the Passover. And as all the nation of Israel, all the people, all the families down in Jerusalem are getting ready with their lamb and they're putting blood on the doorposts and the lentils and they're getting ready for their feast. The eternal lamb of God was, was up on Calvary with his arms stretched out and bloodshed for the eternal payment of sin. Jesus Christ, he didn't die by the will of man. He didn't die by Pilate and the high priests and the Jewish people. Jesus Christ died at the very moment in history, at the very time, at the very place that he had appointed for our sins to be paid He opened the door. He opened the door for us. And He laid down His life and He took it up again. When we hear it is finished, when we hear it is finished, something that He accomplished, Jesus Christ, He accomplished the way for us to God. The way for man, for women, for children to go to God, to be with God. This was a new way. Jesus Christ said He is the way. The truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. The way was open now that people could have fellowship and relationship with God, which was what was a, we were created for originally, but the seriousness of sin had what? It had separated us from God. Take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7. 
The Bible tells us in, as you're turning to Hebrews chapter 7, the Bible tells us in Luke, and also the account in Matthew of Jesus' death, it says in Luke, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. In Matthew it says it was rent from top to bottom. You say, well, what's that mean? What, What significance does that have? with Jesus Christ dying on the cross. It has to do with something major. It has to do it was the, the, the veil, the veil being rent from top to bottom was a visual aid for the nation of Israel to show something that had been finished, something significant that had just happened. See the, the veil had separated the holy to, from the most holy. Or the holy of holies from the most holy. It had separated in other in other words, this would set up all the way back in the book of Exodus where God He could dwell among His people, the nation of Israel, but He was still separate from His people. He was among them, but He was separate from them. And when the veil was rent, there was a visual aid, there was an opening, a door opening that now God was not going to be dwelling among us, but separate from us, but now God was going to be able to dwell right with us. And not just with us, but in us. And that now that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's a major door opening. It was a major accomplishment. It was the great, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make this morning is the memorial of the death of Jesus Christ. It was the greatest accomplishment that has ever been done in human history. And it makes all the difference for eternity. All the difference for eternity. As we remember it. He says in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. It says, wherefore He, Jesus Christ, is able to save them to the uttermost that have come unto God by Him. Again, how do we come to God? By and through Jesus Christ. Seeing that He liveth, that He ever liveth, and maketh intercession for them. You know what Jesus Christ, yeah, He died on the cross, and we look at the cross, and we remember the cross, we remember it because... That's where our sin debt was paid, but we don't remember the cross because that's where Jesus died and stayed dead. The difference between Jesus Christ and any and every other God is He is no longer dead. He is alive and He lives forevermore. He is seated at the right hand of God making intercession for us. The, The Jesus Christ, our God, He is still involved in our lives today. makes all the difference in the world. He says in verse 26, For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, talking about Jesus Christ, who is now our high priest, who needeth not daily as those, the, uh, the, those high priests who offered up sacrifice for his own sins, and then for the people, for this he did once when he offered up himself. You know what they said? Hey, our high priest today that is so much better, Jesus Christ, he doesn't have to go like the other high priests in the Old Testament. The other high priests, you know what they'd have to do? They'd have to go and they'd have to offer a sacrifice for their own sin. No matter how good a person is, no matter if they're the high priest or not, they're still a sinner. And so the high priest would have to go and offer a sacrifice for his sin, and then he'd come back and he'd offer a sacrifice for the sin of the people. But they said, now we have a better high, high priest, which is Jesus Christ, who offered himself the sacrifice. He didn't need to offer a sacrifice for his own sin because he was sinless. The Bible says he was in all points 
tempted like we are yet without sin. He was sinless. He was blameless. He was spotless Lamb of God. That's our high priest. It says, verse 28, For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. This temple being, or the, the temple veil being rent, what a wonderful picture it is to now you and I can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. You and I can have a personal relationship with the high priest, Jesus Christ. We don't need to go through a man. We don't need to go through a program. We don't need to go through anybody but put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and begin to cultivate and build the relationship that we have with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's all because of the cross. It's all because of the cross. As we think of this, Him saying it is finished, the things that have been accomplished, our sin being paid for, the door being opened, the New Testament now available, our way to God being open and made possible. We think of what was finished at the cross. My question is, what will you do with that? If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, coming to the cross, accepting Him, receiving the forgiveness which is available, it's something that we must do. We must humble ourselves before the cross and receive His sacrifice for sin because we certainly, surely do not want to pay for it ourselves. When you think of the cross of Christ, although it has... uh, You think of the cruelty of it, but you also think of the hope because of it. And you think of, hey, will I, what will I do with the cross as I remember the cross? Will I tell others? Will I tell others the good news of Jesus Christ's payment for our sin? Would I tell others of the sacrifice that was made? Would I be willing to open my mouth and give hope to those that need hope? We'll remember the cross and be thankful for the high price that was paid for us. You have your Bibles opened in Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to, together as a body of Christ, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. We're going to remember His death, burial, and resurrection. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. The Bible says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So as we take of, the, take of communion, we're remembering, hey, His body that was broken, it was what paid our sin debt. It was what set us free. Verse 11, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sin, but... This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. For henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his, be made his footstool, for by one offering he, made, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And then he gives us a charge. You know, as we remember the cross... As we, as we take of communion and we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it, 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 should, um, it should empower us 
uh, remembering the cross should, should change us. This should bring grace in our life and love. Love toward God and love toward each other. He says in chapter 10, verse 23, he says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. As we, as we recognize the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, it should, it should empower us to want to provoke each other to love and good works. It should just make us fall in love more and more with Christ for what He's done with us. Again, I said we were going to take of the Lord's uh, Supper. He gives us some instructions in Corinthians about the Lord's Supper. It's not something that's to be done lightly. There's some things that we must consider, each person amongst ourselves, before we take of the Lord's Supper. First off, the Lord's Supper is for those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Lord's Supper is for His children. It's for the saved. It's for those that have been born again who have accepted the blood sacrifice for their sin. So as you examine yourself and say, hey, am I saved? Have I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper? If you haven't, we're going to have a time of prayer and you can do it. You can pray and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, to save you, to come into your heart. And He will. He'll answer that prayer and then take up the Lord's Supper uh, with rejoicing. Also for Christians, the Bible says there in Corinthians that we're to examine our own heart. That if there's sin in our heart, if there's bitterness, if there's anger, if there's lust, if there's these sins in our heart that we know about, before we take up the Lord's Supper, the Bible says that we're to confess these things, to judge ourselves, that we be not judged. It's not to be taken lightly. So we're going to have a time of prayer before we take of the Lord's Supper as Savannah plays the music there softly. Take a time and examine your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to look inside and if there's sins that need confessed, now's the time to do it. Draw close to the Lord. Focus your eyes and your heart and your imagination on the cross of Jesus Christ. And allow His blood to cleanse us from all sin. Let's pray.